Welcome to a Prevent Connect podcast, where we explore the prevention of violence against women. This is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault. Hi, this is Ashley with Prevent Connect, and today we're going to be talking about a new report, the Governor's Prevention of Domestic and Sexual Violence Task Force Report from Vermont. So I have four individuals with me today. First is Bethany Pombar, Prevention Specialist from the Vermont Network Against Domestic and Sexual Violence. Hi, Bethany. How are you doing? Good. Hi, Ashley. And I also have Linda Johnson, Executive Director from Prevent Child Abuse Vermont. Hi, Linda. Hi, Ashley. I also have Mark Kerrigan, law enforcement officer from the Brattleboro Police Department. Hi, Mark. Hi, Ashley. And finally, I have Ron Redman, executive director from Church Street Marketplace. Hi, Ron. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having us. So, Bethany, can you tell us more about the report? I can. This is a really great first in Vermont, and we think potentially the first in the nation where the governor of Vermont, Governor Peter Shumlin, wanted to do something really around the prevention of domestic and sexual violence and getting ahead of the problem. And so he called together a task force and charged us with kind of looking at the landscape of Vermont and what was happening in prevention and how we could enhance our prevention services in Vermont so that we were doing really deep, comprehensive prevention, that we were addressing the gaps that existed both geographically and topically in the state and really figuring out how we can leverage all of our opportunities in the best way possible. So we were really fortunate to pull together a task force with 11 people from various walks of life to come together and talk about how we were going to do this. And we came up with this marvelous process of we thought together about what are the areas that we want to investigate and want more information on. And we came up with a number of work groups and then broke into those work groups. And so many of us sat on multiple work groups over the course of 18 months. And we just heard information. We we brought in a lot of speakers. We talked to a lot of people. And we just brought in as much information as we could. And from that information, started to formulate recommendations. And for each speaker that we had, we also asked what their recommendations were and really were advised by this amazing group of stakeholders throughout the state of Vermont. And from that, we came up with 70 recommendations, and we sat down to look at them all from each of the work groups and from our individual speakers. And what we did was we looked at those 70, and we looked at where the alignment was and where the kind of overarching topics were and began to categorize them. And we saw a lot of alignment. There was clearly some clear direction in there for how to go forward. And what would best benefit Vermont as far as enhancing our prevention programming in the state. So from that, we came out with seven recommendations that we thought were foundational to deeper prevention work happening. Great. It really sounds like the stakeholder involvement and the support of the governor's office is really key to getting this report done. It was. I mean, it was really an amazing process. And when we we think about what are the next steps now that we have these recommendations, what we've begun to do is really activate this base of stakeholders and, and enhance the communication that was happening around that and getting everyone on the same page to begin with, which will make our next step, which is our first recommendation, so much easier, which is creating a new state plan. And now that we have this common understanding of where we're at, we can start from there to grow our plan. 
Great. Let's talk a little bit more about the first recommendation for the plan. What are some of the key points in moving forward and getting that plan created and implemented? Our state is not new to state planning processes. We've had a couple of state plans in the past and a lot funded through the CDC RPE grants. So a lot of states have engaged in this state prevention planning process. I think what's exciting about where Vermont is right now with, is that get to engage in the state planning process again. But again, we have this common understanding of the ground from which we're starting. So we're all starting at the same kind of starting line and moving forward from there. And one of the things that we have learned and that we heard very clearly in our investigations through the task force was that things really need to be grounded in the community level. So some of our state plans before maybe a little too broad in scope with less tangible actions in there and more like let's change the world kind of statements. And so I think we'll be taking a step back from that and really grounding the plans that we make going forward in, in climate action orientation and really thinking about those achievable objectives and really doing a listening project with our local communities to hear what is most important for them and what's most going to support their work and aligning what we hear from them with the recommendations in the state plan. And so leveraging both of those points and kind of finding that action from there. That sounds really great. Let's look at some of the other recommendations as well. Ron, can you tell us more about recommendation number two, which is to support and develop a statewide multi-pronged prevention campaign? I can. A lot of our survey results showed a disconnect between what Vermonters' understanding was of violence and their personal responsibility to act. And so looking at that, thinking about not only men, but everyone in the state, how can we raise awareness? We decided that what would make sense is a, a public health campaign. And again, I emphasize the words public health, focused on primary prevention education and health promotion. So tying Domestic and sexual violence prevention to a public health campaign is really important. And we felt there were probably three points that were key. The first being, I think Bethany had echoed this, is, is making sure that when we put this together, that we get input from our prevention practitioners. We, we have the Vermont Network has done a great job of building a, this very strong network and, and making sure that people are aware. So we would tap their expertise, getting the expertise of, of key state agencies, the researchers that we've certainly worked with and others, marketing professionals, finding all of those players and really enrolling them and getting them aligned and then developing some messages and some materials that can be usable in the entire community that can really help people to buy into this idea of understanding better domestic and sexual violence and its impacts and what they can do individually. What was interesting, we, we're going to target specific populations with strategic messages. I'm going to mention one, men. We did find in our study that men between 18 and 24 and men who are 55 and older seemed to be a group that had less understanding and less sensitivity than all others, that all other males that were surveyed, and that a public health campaign would really need to target messages relevant to those specific groups as an example. The third is that we want to use multiple platforms. Obviously, social media is just as big here as it is anywhere else, and we know that that can be very effective. We know that traditional media can be very effective, but what we've decided is that a one-time media blitz or having an awareness month just as there is domestic and sexual violence awareness months. We thought rather than doing that, what we really needed was a multi-pronged, prolonged campaign that we could evaluate, it was incremental, and that it could be sustained over a number of years. We felt that was really important. Funding is always an issue. We need to keep that in mind. We need to make sure that, that any funding 
for such a campaign doesn't come from other monies that are targeted or given for prevention. We do feel that we need a level of saturation that we haven't seen in the past. So the group itself also looked at other public health campaigns that have been successful and been multi-pronged. Lots of good ideas, lots of challenges in terms of putting together a prevention campaign, but I think the recommendation sets a really clear path going forward. Well, great, and I think it's good and it's really ideal to have a lot of information to inform these types of campaigns and as well as a lot of good examples that you can use to inform the campaigns as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Ron mentioned bystander engagement and male attitudes, and those are actually in recommendations three and four. So Mark, why don't you join the conversation and and tell us more about those pieces of the report? Sure. Thanks, Ashley. So our third and fourth recommendations sort of combine together, specifically highlighting the involvement of third parties or people who aren't directly involved in the prevention of domestic abuse. Just to highlight those two recommendations specifically, recommendation number three aims to build a statewide capacity for engaging bystanders, and recommendation four takes that idea a little bit deeper, working to increase men's involvement specifically in the prevention of, of sexual and domestic abuse. The engagement of the entire community is necessary in order to stop violence towards women and domestic and sexual abuse. We all have have a role to play, obviously, in that. When the results from that survey came out this year, Bethany and I actually recorded a podcast about that, and I'll be posting that link in the post for this podcast as well. Excellent. There was a lot of good information that was gleaned off of that survey that certainly informed some of the recommendations that we made, specifically the bystander engagement and and involving men and resolving the issues that we have here. It does sound like a lot of these recommendations really work together well, and you've identified a lot of not only populations, but also key strategies. So, Linda, can we talk about the next strategies around college campuses as well as data collection? Absolutely. Thanks, Ashley. Our recommendation number five is to strengthen Vermont's college campuses' response to the prevention of domestic and sexual violence. What we found by talking with college campus folks who are responsible for prevention is there's a wide variety of activities in place right now, but most of it occurs during freshman orientation, and it's not an ongoing cultural activity or change in the culture that's attempted by the college campus as a whole. And it consists mostly of education that is about risk reduction rather than, as Mark and Ron were talking about, health promotion, which is very, very needed to really get at the basic issues and change the norm for folks. There is a big lack of information about dating violence, so more focus on relational issues, boundaries, empathy, communication skills, and back to bystander engagement, you know, until we really can educate and support friends and family and colleagues on the college campus about how to intervene and when and and what's needed and what's okay, what's normal and appropriate, we're going to continue to have this problem. All college personnel who are charged with prevention with whom we spoke were eager to enhance their capacity as well as to connect with others around prevention programs. And these folks are key stakeholders and represent a, a real opportunity for engagement. The task force also identified a lack of capacity within community-based prevention programs like domestic and sexual violence programs in the community that 
really have not even enough resources to date to respond as comprehensively as they would like to to the community needs, no less a college campus in their area. So more resources are desperately needed to enhance the college campus capacity as well as community partners because there's just a natural link there. We want to see the creation of a collaboration between college campuses and key prevention practitioners and other stakeholders, and this should be supported and and charged with the creation of a toolkit that provides guidance and resources around best and promising practices for college-based domestic and sexual violence prevention. And we want to see ongoing multi-component education, materials targeted to Vermont's college students, and using best practice in prevention issues. Again, health-based, not risk reduction. And, you know, we want formidable education for men on their roles in preventing violence and promoting health. Healthy relationships and dating violence, terribly needed. It would be marvelous if every single college offered classes just on that. And engaged bystander intervention, really referring back to what's already been said, and gender equity, where you have gender inequity as the norm, then you will always have domestic and sexual violence. That's kind of, in a nutshell, where we are with that. We want to see this rape culture come apart at the seams, and we want to see a healthy norm replace it. Absolutely, and college campuses are, I think, a key place to do that work. So, Linda, what about recommendation number six, enhancing data collection and accessibility? Vermont is really lacking in a single point of access for data from all kinds of sources that we have in Vermont and for some that we have yet to collect. But a central data collection site and clearinghouse is critical to the promotion and success of prevention. But we don't have one place to turn to for those measures. Absolutely, and I think that's something that a lot of states are looking into and hoping to do and to improve as well because we know, and as this report really prioritizes, it's important to be really well-informed in the strategies and as we go forward as well as to measure our impact. Well, and so finally, Bethany, the last recommendation is a really exciting one. It's to establish a violence prevention program coordinator at the state level. Right, kind of thought of as the umbrella prevention coordinator could look at those and connect to them and be looking at those shared objectives across silos that we're working in. And so it's really about unsiloing our violence prevention work from all of the other kinds of prevention work that happen as well. Yeah, that's really great to hear because it's great to think about the idea of you know, having kind of a centralized place where those connections can really be made, can be seen, and we can really move forward in working together. Bethany, what are the next steps after this report? So our report was officially released in September, and we've been working really closely with the governor's office. Really, we want to increase capacity across the board, and that's going to take some investment. So we're in ongoing conversations there, which I think even the process of having those conversations is so wonderful, even that those conversations are happening and that they're looking at ways that they can do it.
In addition to that, we have already begun our seat planning process in the very early stages of that and thinking about kind of this 18-month process for a seat plan, creating a new state plan that will include both domestic and sexual violence prevention and be really actionable. Through the course of this work and the way that we engaged everyone, it really is kind of this snowball that's picking up more snow as it goes down the hill, very Vermonty reference for you. So things are moving. State system change work. So things move very slowly. So we have, you know, it took us 18 months to make the recommendations and now 18 months for a state plan process. And, you know, I always have to remind myself that social change takes time. It's very important and we want these things to happen right away, but that it's really a process of planting the seed fertilizing the soil and tending your garden while things grow at their own natural pace. And so I, what I feel like is that we've done a very good job planting the seeds and we're now actively tending our soil and watering and sunning and waiting for those buds to come up and be fruitful. Well, thank you so much. We really look forward to seeing how things grow. This is a really robust plan. I see a lot of synergy in it, and it's comprehensive as well. So I look forward to seeing how things move along. So thank you once again. I've been talking to Linda Johnson, Mark Kerrigan, Ron Redman, and Bethany Pombar. Thank you all. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for listening to this Prevent Connect podcast. Prevent Connect is a project of the California Coalition Against Sexual Assault, with funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The views presented on Prevent Connect are not necessarily the views of the United States government, the CDC, or CalCASA. To learn more about Prevent Connect, visit www.preventconnect.org. For more information about CalCASA's mission or to show your support, visit calcasa.org. That's C-A-L-C-A-S-A dot O-R-G.